Birmingham, Alabama. Come on, everybody. My, 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 my. I, I am, I am ready. Look at somebody and say, are you ready? Forty years ago in April, me and my wife celebrated our 40th anniversary. Forty years. I was 22. She was 15. And we made it. Everybody didn't think we would, but we made it. I got a picture of our wedding. That's our wedding. And two Jefferson County deputy sheriffs. It wasn't a shotgun wedding, I can promise you that. I just went over under 40. You don't know what I'm talking about. I did that. I hired those deputy sheriffs. I went and met with the sheriff and asked him. I said, if I hire deputy sheriffs, do they have to protect me? He said, yes, they do. He said, they're, they're working for you. They're, they'll be in uniform. They represent uh, Jefferson County. Now, the reason I did this was because the church that me and my wife got married in, in Mount Olive, Alabama, had an infamous past of, on wedding nights, during the reception, they kidnapped the groom and the bride, put them in separate automobiles, had 30-minute meeting places, and for the first night of your marriage, they separated you and let you wave every 30 minutes. Yeah. I could name some names. Some of you would know that that happened to on their wedding night. But it wasn't going to happen to me. No, no, see, here's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 3. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. I was not going to suffer the consequences of being separate. I spent my first wedding night with my wife. Come on, somebody. In the Holiday Inn in Hoover, Alabama. Come on. Yes. Now, I tell you that story because the message that I have for you this morning is a warning it's a preparation and it's coming and you can sit blindly by and suffer the consequences or you can start now and take precautions look at somebody and say precautions in 2020 something happened in this nation we knew our nation was divided we we've known that that our we did not know how divided our nation was our nation was a tinderbox ready to be sparked into an explosion and an explosion it did happen from from covid to racial injustice and rioting to to a, a chaotic election cycle like no other I had seen in my lifetime, and and then uh, we go on to the capital uh, explosion, and then we go to the open borders, and and then we go to gender confusion, and it's one thing after the other. Our nation went poof, and in twenty four months. We have lost all influence. Once the greatest nation on this planet, today we are nearly insignificant. And nothing is going to change that. If you think your political party or your political platform or your political pundit is going to turn this nation around, you are wrong. I've got a book written by the Spirit of God. And it talks about the end times and the last days. And I need to alert you to something. The United States of America is not in it. It's going to get tighter, but it's going to get righter. Come on, somebody. 
It exploded. Our, our nation, who, who could ever imagine, and I'm 62 years old, who could have ever imagined that as rapidly as this nation has moved away from God, it was moving little by little by little, but since 2020, it has been rapid, out of control. I, I mean, I mean, my God, can we even understand what all has happened in 24 months? And what is coming in the next 24 months? Can I have an amen? And, and, and let me tell you something. We should have been prepared for it. You see, a divided nation needs a united church. But sad to say, I need to alarm you and alert you to something. When, when the nation divided and it needed a united church, we found out the church was also a tinderbox waiting to explode and explode we did and we are more divided today as the body of Christ than in any other day since the Civil War. Blowing each other up on Facebook, shooting word bombs out of out of our social media cannings over uh, over the great bow, the good old gospel ship destroying one another, and the world sat back and laughed because we found out we were no different than the culture we're living in. Are y'all still with me? Come on, bump somebody and say it'll get better. But not yet. We should have been prepared for it. We should have been ready for it. But the body of Christ was not ready. And I'm going to tell you why we should have. Paul talked to his young son Timothy. And by the way, I need to alert you to something. When Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, Timothy was pastoring a church. He'd been handed to by his spiritual father. History tells us the church at Ephesus was running about 50,000 people when the apostle Paul gave it to his young spiritual son, Timothy. But something happened. Nero, under the Roman rule, began to, began to persecute and do everything he could to destroy the church. He was feeding Christians to lions. He was forcing Christians to get in the, the arenas with gladiators who would tear their bodies apart. He would tie Christians on poles in his exotic garden, pour oil over them, light them on fire while they had sexual orgies with Christians burning at the states and and his church was dwindling because of persecution and at the same time his church was also becoming divided those that were dying from persecution and he had a whole slew of people that out of fear of persecution departed from the faith and left the kingdom of God and that's what we saw in 2020 now now only 36% of people in America say they believe Jesus is God we are not living in a Christian nation anymore and it's not because President Obama said it it's because the facts are there I entitled my message what in the world is the church to do because we need to know we need to understand the day we're living in. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 he said you should know this you should know this. Everybody say that out loud with me. You should know this. He's writing, Timothy, I, I need to tell you about something that you need to know. You need to know what is coming upon this earth. This was 2,000 years ago. Now, I want to stand today, and I want to say it as an apostolic father of this house. I want to say this to all of you. I want to change the wording and say, you should have known this. We've had it in our Bible for 2,000 years. you got 40 Bibles laying all over your house. You've read some of them yet and hadn't opened others. But it was there all along telling you this was coming. This was coming. What happened to us? Why did it take us by surprise? Why were we unprepared? You should have known this. That in the last days, Timothy, there will be difficult times. Everybody say difficult. 
dangerous, treacherous. Hey, this isn't some political pundit on the right or the left or trying to swallow the middle. This is the Spirit of God telling you, you can't pray it away. You can't speak in tongues it away. You can't claim a promise away. This day is coming. And it's here. <laughs> Come on, everybody, look at somebody smile at them. Say, it's here. In fact, I don't even know if we fully understand two, two things. One good thing and one thing we need to be ready for. The first thing is, for the first time, for the first time in 50 years, the federal headship of our nation no longer put a stamp of approval on, on abortion. You need to understand that. So, so federally, federally as a nation, we no longer accept abortion as a national constitutional issue. Which means for the first time in many of our lifetimes or in a long time, we're living now under the favor of God rather than under the curse of God. The second thing you need to understand that the Civil War was fought because there were two kind of states in these divided states of America. There were slave states, there were non-slave states. You need to understand that coming up in November, on every ballot across this nation, in every state, every state will vote on abortion. And once again, for the first time since the Civil War, we will have abortion states and we will have non-abortion states. Come on, you need to understand where we are. Can't pray it away, can't bind it away. It's coming. He said difficult days, treacherous days. In fact, the word he uses here in the Greek, the word he used in the Greek is only used two times in the entire New Testament. It is here, and the only other place it is found is in Matthew chapter, chapter 8 where Jesus is confronted by two demoniacs out of the tombs. And the Bible says that they were exceeding fierce. Everybody say fierce. Exceeding fierce. In other words, Paul is saying the days that are coming are going to be so fierce. They're going to be like demonic. Listen to me. If you think, if, if any one of you... We don't fight against flesh and blood. If you think a party is what's doing this or a political figure is what, this is much bigger than a political party or a person. This is a demonic power that is out to destroy the kingdom of God. It's not about destroying a nation. This is about destroying the world. Are you with me? Smile. It's okay. It's going to get better. But not yet. You should know these difficult, these difficult, these ruthless. That's what that word means. These violent, these fierce. Well, why should that take us by surprise? We've seen violence in the streets of our nation before. We've seen it erupt like a powder keg. How can we, how can we read this and think those days are over? They are not over. They're going to be uncontrollable, cruel, hard to bear days. That's what the word means in the Greek. Hard to bear. You say, well, Pastor, you, we've got to give us some hope here. Well, I am. But the first, the first mark of a leader is, is to give you reality. We've, we've played church long enough. This is not a fairy tale. These are difficult times. And then he explains what all is going to happen in these times. For people will love only themselves. Only themselves. Filio, a fleshly, so self-absorbed, so self-centered, so in love with me, my, and I. Come on, everybody. I don't care how it affects you. All I want to do is take care of myself. I am who I say I am. Call me a she, call me a he. Call me a shim, she and a him. Ah, ah, I love me, so I want it my way. And with money, lovers of money, covetousness. Listen, listen to me, you, you need to understand something. We see it in the, in the scriptures, we see this same thing. When Paul cast a devil out of a sorcerer, what made everybody mad was they was making money through it. Now they're going to lose their money. 
In Acts 19, when Paul begins to preach the gospel and, and, and idolatry was the business of the day, it, it wasn't the politicians. It, it wasn't the satanic church. It was the business owners that come and said, we're losing money because we make our money making idols. Why does it shock us that now they have changed? Abortion is not murder anymore. It's health care. That's not a political thing. It's all about money. I would rather have money in my pocket and destroy babies. Uh, the very image of God, the creation of God, murder it in the womb so I can keep money in my pocket. They don't care about you. If you think for a minute they care about you, you are wrong. They care about your billfold. Is this all right? I just got to be real with you. I stepped into a pulpit where you hear truth. I, I'm not out of place up here today. Can I have a better amen? It says they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Boastful and proud. I mean, come on, self-promoters, superior, high-minded, putting themselves above everybody else. That's what they say about us. They say we're just weak-minded. Religious people are weak-minded. That we need a crutch to lean on. They, they, they say that. They demean us. They debase us. That's why they block you on Facebook. They're scared of us. But they literally think this. They're so arrogant. Like Satan thought he could lift himself up above the throne of God. Dummy, dummy, dummy. God, God kicked him out of heaven. Kicked him out of heaven. Come on, somebody. That's why they're trying to kick you out. They're blasphemers. I love what it says. It says, it says they scoff at God. Scoff at God. I heard, I heard a, a, a big, huge gathering of brainiacs, the intellectuals that hold the money of this world. And they said, God is not a God. That God you have up there, we're that God. That's what they're saying right now about your God. I mean, I mean, nothing is sacred anymore. Listen to me. While I'm reading through this list, you need to ask yourself. If this is what God is saying is, is coming upon that, you need to ask yourself. You should be just the opposite of every one of these. You should be walking in humility, loving one another, honoring others above yourself, not putting yourself over people. Come on. We need to make sure. Then he goes on. He says, he says, disobedient to their parents. This, this word in the Greek, it, it's, it's a word actually that has a prefix on it that means to reverse it. But it means someone who is totally committed and totally devoted to their family. But what he's saying here is the opposite is they are totally uncommitted and nonchalantly devoted to their own family. Jesus said in the last days, in these difficult days, that your children will rise up against their parents, putting them to death. That it'll be those in your own household who are against you. Come on, y'all getting quiet on me. That's nobody like that in here. Come on, say, I'm, I thank God he's preaching to the people watching. Come on, tell somebody he's preaching to the people. Why are you about preaching to me? Ungrateful. Ungrateful. Unthankful. Do you have a heart of gratitude? Are you thankful that you got a church to come in? That the air conditioning is on this morning. Are you thankful you had a bed to sleep in last night? Are you thankful, thankful that you got food to put in your belly? Because I can take you places right now where they're starving to death. Where mothers are holding bloated belly babies and they cannot feed their babies. They got to hold them till they die. Our bellies are bloated but not from malnutrition. Are you thankful you got running water? Because 75% of the world doesn't have clean water. More people die from drinking dirty water than any other thing in the entire world. Children walk with gas cans miles to get water out of muddy ditches and dirty streams that's filled with disease because they have no water. And you got up this morning and just put your glass in your refrigerator and out came pure water. Aren't you glad you got a little thing called a toilet that you can just mash a button and all that mess goes out of your house? 
Have you thanked God for it lately? Have you thanked God for a pastor who preaches the truth? Whether they block him, jail him, or whatever they do, he's going to preach the truth. Do you thank God? I mean, literally, have you thanked God for it? Keep your heart from being ungrateful. Keep yourself. Don't let this world push you and press you into its mold. Some of us, some of us have been like my billfold. You have been in this world so long you are now looking and acting and talking and reflecting the culture rather than confronting the culture I, I watch some of your Facebook pages I, I see it I'm not so far removed down in Sneed Alabama they will consider nothing sacred they will be unloving unforgiving 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 everybody shout unforgiving they will be not we should be i am amazed i'll come back to this i am amazed as a preacher of the gospel i preached the same church 29 years i preached on forgiveness quite often in my church i, I preached on it quite often uh, for reasons and it would always amaze me I would tell my wife going home on those Sundays I'd say babe as much as I preach on forgiveness I'm always amazed in the altar call to see how many people say they are still struggling with unforgiveness we who have been forgiven not because of anything we did forgiving for every wrong deceitful ugly immoral act that we've ever committed every foul word that's ever come out of our mouth every cheating lying adulterous thing we've ever done because jesus christ took it on the cross how dare we be unforgiving I got to get through this scripture. I got 12 more to go through. They consider nothing. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They'll slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride. And they will love pleasure rather than God. I'm going to tell you something I'm here to say today. And I'm even saying this to Solid Rock Church. I'm not saying it to every other church in town. Church as usual. Church as usual. Listen to me. Church as usual. I wrote this down. Will not stand against the forces of hell or usher in the kingdom of heaven. Church as usual will not stand against the forces of hell or usher in the kingdom of heaven. We are to confront our culture not become like our culture. And when kingdoms collide, things are going to get rowdy. I said when kingdoms collide, things are going to get rowdy. If you're looking for comfortable, you better find you a cruise ship and leave town for the rest of your life. We're not a cruise ship church we're a we're a battleship church come on somebody we're not sailing away we're sailing into i, I want to address something just for a minute i, I just want to address it and i'm not talking about other people i'm talking about myself church as usual preaching as usual I, I, I cried this. I cried this. My son, Pastor Larry, will tell you, I cried this. When the pandemic first happened, I mean the first week that they shut the church down, I began to say this. I began to say, if we try to open our churches the way that we closed them, we are going to lose this nation. And listen to me. And I say it, and I know I may get shut down, and I may get ridiculed, and I may get persecuted, but I, I sit and I said this over and over and over and over. I said it to friends of mine. I said it in groups of pastors. And my heart breaks to watch everybody try to open and try to keep right on going just like they were before it ever closed down and we have lost half the church Paul in 1 Corinthians 
chapter number two, he, he makes some statements here. Beginning with verse one. He says, when I first came here, he's writing to the church at Corinth. A center of idolatry, of demonic perversion, of sexual perversion. It was a godless, paganistic city in which he came to preach the gospel for the first time. Now, he's established a church there and he's writing back to this church. And he says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters... I didn't use lofty, prominent, superiority words. I didn't, I didn't use words that would pacify or try to get you to agree with me. He said, he said I, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's seat. I didn't try to get on your level. I, I, I didn't try to get so relevant that I used the language that you use. We got too much cussing in the pulpit today. trying to be try, you don't win the world by trying to be like the world I, I didn't come in here like I knew it all like, like I, I, I had more wisdom than you I didn't try to use big words that would keep you looking up your dictionary instead of listening to the sermon he said for I decided everybody say this out loud with me for I decided Come on, shout it again. For I decided. I want to come back to that. But, but, but that while I was with you, I would forget everything. I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I decided. Everybody say it again. I decided. If you go back and you look at Paul, when he went to Corinth, it was shortly after he was in Athens. In Acts chapter 17. And if you'll go back and look at, at, at Athens, Paul had been going to cities. Acts chapter 13, he meets a sorceress girl and casts the devil out of her. Come on, everybody. Acts chapter 14, he heals a crippled man that had been crippled his entire life. And the whole city turns around and accepts Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, he walks into Ephesus and Acts. Acts chapter 19 and the Bible says God wrought special miracles through the hands of Paul it, that from his very body aprons and handkerchiefs would cause demons to go out and bodies to be he knew what it was like to turn cities upside down but in Athens there were no miracles no in Athens if you read the sermon of Paul and it's in there he talked with their philosophers he quoted their poets. He tried to get relevant on them. I'm going to show you that I'm an, an intellectual like you are. I, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. and See, I, I know you know this unknown God. Well, I know this unknown God. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you know who your unknown God is. And he planted no church in Athens. So now he's headed but one of the idol capitals of Greece. And he's going to a place where there's demonic powers are ruling the landscape and where sexual perversion is out of control. He says, oh, oh, I decided after what I went through in Athens, I didn't see God move. I decided this time I'm going to forget all of that relevant preaching. I'm going to forget being a communicator. No, no, no. Listen to what he said in verse number three. He says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. In other words, I didn't try to show off my witty stories I didn't try to do it with my personality. I didn't try to use my sophisticated delivery. No, I came like a little child. In other words, he was saying, I've already seen what it's like without the Holy Spirit. Oh, if the Holy Spirit don't, I can't. I'm depending on God. I'm depending on the Spirit of God. I'm depending on the power. It literally said, he said, I was quaking. I was quaking when I came to you. Because I realized how desperate I was. If God didn't show up, nothing would happen. Look what he says in verse number four. He says, and my message, my words, my proclamation, my preaching were very plain. He must have been from Blunt County. Come on, somebody. Rather than using clever and persuasive, enticing and pacifying. I, I want to get you on my level. No, he said instead of doing that, I, I, I relied only on the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. On the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. 
a mighty force, the wind of God, the wind of God. It says, it says in, in actual Greek, it says, and the demonstration, the manifestation. In other words, I didn't just come and preach pretty words. I displayed the power of God that was undeniable. Let me tell you, some people say this all the time to me. They ask me this question all the time. Pastor, you went all over the world. I have 46 nations of the world. I have seen, I have seen a rotted, putrefying body laying on the side of the road across from a dump in Uganda, Africa. And, and they laid towels over her, waiting for her to die. Security guards stayed with her. And the reason they stayed with her just until she died, because then a dump truck would come down the road and pile these putrefying bodies into the dump truck and take them off and bury them in mass graves. But we were preaching the gospel just across the street. We started praying for signs and wonders and miracles. Demons began to manifest. And when, when a demon would manifest, they would take that person and throw them on the platform. And we were casting out devils and commanding spirits to leave. When suddenly there was a lady with a huge gorder, a huge tumor hanging from her neck. And suddenly it just fell off. And disappearing in front of our eyes. And we're sitting there rejoicing. And suddenly these two security guards come walking up on the platform. And there's a woman standing in between them. And she had been divinely and creatively healed. No more, no more infection. No more disease. And she's crying. And both security guards are crying. And they all three gave their life to Jesus Christ. Because of signs and wonders and miracles. Not because of pretty sermons with Attitudious words. I know it's so fashion. I know. I know I, I, I'm out of touch. But people ask me, why don't we see that in the United States of America? Because we're not desperate. We think we can do church without God. They don't have, they're desperate for God. They, they, they believe for signs and wonders and miracles. We wouldn't throw them on the platform. We'd take them to a back room. Come on. But we don't want to scare anybody off. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're in church today, you're not going to get scared off. <laughs> we need some demonstration of the Spirit of God. I'm not against, I'm not against trying to be wise and use, use whatever. Listen, I, I, we used to say it this way when I was a pastor. I still believe it. We'll do anything short of sin to win people to Jesus Christ. But you can't save people. You can't deliver people. You can't heal people. You can't fix the broken minds of a baby girl that's been raped since she was nine months old. Through a pretty sermon. You, you can't heal the fractured heart and emotions of a little boy that's been sex trafficked by men for half of his life. Who comes walking, sliding, running into the church. You are not going to get him with your illustration in your sermon. Our world, let me tell you something. This nation is filled of demonic filled people. Broken humanity, sighing, dying, crying, the least, the last, the left out, the lonely, and the lost, the hungry, the homeless, the hopeless, the, the helpless. I'm telling you this, this nation is filled with them and they need the body of Christ to rise up now in demonstration. manifestation we manifested in 2020 we manifested like puke on social media we looked more devil possessed than the world did i'm sorry i'm one of us so i can i can say it and i want to say this right here right here if we don't start correcting ourselves listen to me i'm a, I, 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 i'm gonna help you here i love you you've never heard me preach like this before or maybe you have i don't know and I'm on time. I'm still doing good. I just got 12 more scriptures. No, I'm not that. Listen to me. 
In the Old Testament, God would send a prophet to his people. If they didn't listen to the prophet and accept correction, he let the world, he let Babylon, he let Assyria, he let Philistra come in and oppress and rob. You want to know why, why the world is taking these great men of God? Some have, were already dead before their, their immorality was exposed. You want to know why God is letting the world make fun of us? Because the church has refused to correct itself. In every one of these situations when they began to dig, the people closest to them knew it and did nothing about it. Listen to me. If we don't correct ourselves, God will continue to let the world. Because he said judgment will begin in the house of God. In fact, may I say it? If you go back and look at all the exposure that's happened in the last 24 months, standing on my back porch, you can go back in my social media platform and you can find it somewhere around June of 2020. I stood on my back porch as I heard all these Christians and all these prophets and preachers declaring judgment in Washington, D.C. I said, you better be careful because before judgment begins in the White House, it's going to begin in the church house. Be careful how you want to curse others. Are y'all still with me? Everybody still breathing? Check your neighbor. I did this. Verse 5. Look what he said. I did this. It was on purpose. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I need to say something. And I, I'm telling you, I've warred. Because see, I'm a traveling preacher. I'm a traveling preacher. And if you don't like this kind of preaching, you're not going to have me. We've got too much duplicity in the church. And I, I'm going to tell you, I want to tell you what, what happened in 2020. Why we lost half the church. Because their faith was not rested in the power of God but on the wisdom of our, our communication styles and all of our onboarding assimilation systems and, and our weld-oiled machines. And when all of that shut down, we found where their faith was. Are y'all still with me? We do not need a political restoration we need a spiritual revival. We need the brooding breath of God to fill our times together. Isaiah said it. Read it with me. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah was called by God. He was a prophet. But he wasn't prophesying. He wasn't doing his job. Let me tell you why. Because Uzziah was the king. He was the political figure. And he was a good king. He brought spiritual restoration to his nation. He had a, he had a good platform that favored, that favored the kingdom. And Isaiah just let him do it. But it says when Uzziah died. Oh, I want to say some things, but I, I'm not going to just say it. Just say it right. Just say it right out. But when your candidate lost, you died. My God, you'd have thought Jesus fell off the cross. I've never been so sickened by the church in my life as I begin to see nationalism take hold in the kingdom of God and in the house of the Lord. But Isaiah said, when my ruler died, that's when I really got a vision of who God was. I saw him sitting upon his throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple above him stood seraphim each had six wings with two covered their face with two covered their feet and with two they did fly and one called to another and said not Trump 
Not Biden. Not some other name. Not DeSantis. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth. The whole earth. Not just the United States. The whole earth is filled with His glory. My God isn't dead because my candidate lost. Oh, I'm sorry. I know some of y'all. Y'all don't believe he lost. I'm sorry. He, let me just say, he ain't in there. And the Bible says God sets up one and brings down another. I'm going to say, I, I know I'll be asked back because this is my son. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, I said, I didn't call them self-righteous Republicans or Democrats. He said, I didn't start seeing everybody else's sin. He said, when my, when my, when my hope died in a man, I got a true vision of who God was. And when I got a true vision of who God was, I didn't start pointing my finger at everybody else. I said, woe is me, for I'm lost. And for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Some of you had not seen Jesus because you still got your eye on a man. Until you let your pundit die in your eyes, you're never going to get a vision of the King of Glory. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that had taken with tongs from the altar. I'm preaching, I'm preaching to intercessors. I'm preaching to prophets. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many followers you have. I don't care how big your church is. I don't care how many platforms they parade you across so you can declare their political candidate. You listen to me today. You listen to me. If you really have a vision of God, you'll not see everybody else's sin. You'll see your own sin. You'll see your own need of revival. You'll see your own need of the fire of God touching you and cleansing you. Enough placating and preaching to the choir and saying things that, that your conservative party people want to hear just so you can get them to stand on their feet and shout. Preach the gospel. Amen. You look angry. I'm not angry. I feel the zeal of the Lord. I've had this message in me for months waiting for today. I refuse to preach it anywhere else. Till I preached it here. He touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord. This is why I'm here this morning. Because I've heard the voice of the Lord and he's calling. It's Solid Rock Church on October the 2nd, 2022. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Not a political party, not a political person, not a political platform. Then I said, well, I'll get on Facebook. Listen, you've not fulfilled your purpose because you put a scripture on Facebook. You have not preached the gospel because you put a 30 second video on Instagram saying I love Jesus and so do you. Then said I, here am I, not the preacher, not the deacon, not the evangelist, not the bishop. Here am I, Lord, send me. Send me to my family. Send me to my workplace. Send me to my neighborhood. Send me to the marketplace. Send me to the nail shop. Send me to the beauty salon. Send me to the gas station. I need gas. But it's not about gas. It's about the person on the other side of the pump. It's not about my red nails. It's about the lady painting those red nails. You go there. 
Every place I just named, you already go. And you talk. What do you talk about? Probably whatever they set the tone to talk about. You weren't sent there to conform to them. You were sent there to confront with the gospel. I am winding down. It's going to take me a minute, but I'm winding down. I preached a sermon a year ago called You'll Find God in the Gathering. I still believe that. I still believe in the gathering. I still believe in the gathering. I don't want to offend you. If you're in a nursing home, you're a hospital. You're sick at home and cannot get here. But if you are not, you ought to be in the house of God. God made a direct word. I'm just repeating him. If you don't like it, don't get mad at me. I didn't co-sign on the Bible. He said, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. But even more. As you see the day approaching. There is no secret saints. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe in the gathering. But the Holy Spirit is calling for a scattering. Now listen to me. Because I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting serious. And I am winding down. I, I'm going to be through on time. Whatever time that's supposed to be. Listen to me. My heart is for you. My heart is for revival. My heart is for this house because I believe God is raising this house. But it's not just for your pastor. See, see, we, we can enjoy the gathering so much that all of our Christianity happens between 10 and 1 on Sunday. Tithing, you ought to do it. I believe in it. Serving, you ought to do it. I believe in it. But that's three hours a week. God poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The last words of Jesus before he left was go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He wasn't talking to preachers. He wasn't talking just to the disciples. He was talking to over 500 people. He said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Teaching all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. 25 years later, they were still gathering. They were still, they still hadn't scattered. The church had, had only, in fact, the only message Ephesus ever heard was what John the Baptist preached. Paul, when he got to Ephesus, found, found 12 disciples of John. Jesus had not even been preached beyond Jerusalem because they were still gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering. And in Acts chapter 8, we read God allowed a persecution to come on the church. I'm going to tell you something. You better volunteer. You better accept your orders. You better go. And the Bible says when the, when the scattering began to take place, it tells you, and the believers scattered everywhere except for the apostles. Everybody say except the apostles. Come on, say it out loud. Except. So he wasn't talking about the preachers. And then verse 4 says, And the believers, not the preachers, and the believers that were scattered went everywhere preaching the gospel and people were being saved every day. We've turned this around. Don't, don't get me wrong. We, we've turned church into a place to save sinners. That's what we've turned it into. Instead of a place to mature and equip the saints. You're, you're letting the pastor do all your work. We need to be winning people wherever we are to Jesus Christ. Well, I just tell you, I don't know. I, I can feel it on, on some of you. I can feel it on Oh, preacher, you didn't give me much hope. Ooh, it's dark. It's so dark. I just want to go home, lock the doors, turn on YouTube and watch Pastor preach to me on Sunday. Oh, I think, can I work from home too? Can I order my groceries and have them delivered? You want to go out tonight, baby? 
let's call. Let's have it delivered. I don't want to go out. It's so dark. Isaiah 60 chapter 60th chapter verse number one reading out of the amplified Bible says arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you rise to new life shine be radiant with the glory of the Lord for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you yep 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 for behold Darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness all peoples. But, 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 but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen on you. Are you demonstrating his glory or griping about the political? Are you demonstrating his glory? Are complaining about the economy. I don't like the economy. I don't like it. I don't like it. Most churches don't don't allow for the economy. You know what I'm saying, Pastor? I don't like it. Oh, but I got a God I've been serving too long to worry about the economy. <laughs> uh-uh. See, I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging bread. I've never had a bill go unpaid. I've never missed a meal. I'm going to tell you something. It don't matter if the gas is high or if the gas is low. I'll say something. You're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to write me off right here. I go to a church all the time that feeds the hungry. I was there one Sunday morning, a miracle had taken place. They'd given out all the boxes, all the boxes. And they had to know exactly how many, because they had to know how many people to get in line. It was on a four lane, because you can't get people in line and then turn them away. Then you get a bad name. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So they had to know exactly how many. And the last car has come through. The last box has been delivered. They walk in there to turn out the lights. They sent a couple that was helping them to sit, to cut out the lights. And when the couple came back, said, oh, we missed some boxes. We've got, we've got 18 more boxes in there. That's nine more automobiles. And the, the lady said, well, you know, she was depending on the helpers. They miscounted or something because, you know, uh, she counted the boxes herself. She knew how many there were. So she told her husband, go, go, go let nine more cars in line. And so let nine more cars in line and gave them two boxes apiece. And so this time she says, me and my husband are going to go cut out the lights. And they walk in that room and there's 18 more boxes in the room. Now, now, now I go three or four times a year. That was the first time it happened. But it's been happening now almost every month where God is, oh, I don't believe that. I know you don't believe it. I was in a hotel room in Austin, Texas and God had spoke to me about giving money away, giving money away everywhere I went, in the airports, in the restaurants, giving money away. And, and, and I looked down in my billfold, and I just had a 20, a 10, a 5, and a few ones. And I said, now, God, you know, I'm going to need some more money. And what I was meaning was this pastor is going to pick me up in the morning and take me to the airport. I, I, I'm, I'm going to need you to speak to him, God, to give me some money. That's what I meant. I went to bed. I got up the next morning. I got up the next morning, and like I do every morning, I check my billfold again. But except this time, there was two $100 bills, a 20, a 10, a 5, and some ones in my bill. I know you don't believe me. I don't care what you believe. I know in whom I have believed. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. And if you'll quit griping and get grateful that you serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. He owns the silver and the gold in the hills. And he said, if you give, he'll give it back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I can't finish this. I need to finish it. Peter said it like this. Hang with me. I'm going to go rapidly. Get ready back there because I'm going to go rapidly. First Peter chapter Chapter 4, verse 7, Peter tells you, he tells you, what should, what in the world should the church do? What in the world is the church going to do? I've told you, it's going to get darker. So what are we going to do? Peter told us. He's writing about this day. He said, therefore, the end of the world is coming soon. It is coming. 
therefore in other words here should be your response not wringing your hands crying saying God kill me or rapture me before it happens therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers you expect a preacher I mean you know how many times preachers preach on prayer I mean it's almost like pray and read your Bible pray and read your Bible pray and, read, and you're still not doing you cannot live on your pastor's prayers any longer. Listen to me. I want to talk to you men for just a minute. Because, I, I, you know, I, I, women pray. But I want to talk to you men. We've used this excuse long enough. Well, it's just uncomfortable. It feels awkward. It's intimidating. I don't know how to pray. You YouTube ever kind of tutorial you can find. If you want to drag a fish out of a pond, you find out what kind of bait you wrestle that sucker in. Let me tell you something. If you can wrestle a fish out of a pond, you can find some tutorials on prayer. But I'm going to tell you something. Watching a tutorial won't put fish in your boat. You got you to gotta go out there, cast in the line, and reel it in. You're only going to learn how to pray when you get along with God. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You can pray with your eyes open. Sit up in a deer stand. Go out there in the freezing cold with a flashlight. Wrist breaking your neck. Crawling up in a windy tree. And your tree moving like this. And you're smiling on your face. Waiting for a dumb animal to walk through where you can kill it. And you tell me you can't call on God. That you don't know how to open the word of God. And talk to God. And let God talk back to you. If you're going to make it. If you're going to be the light. If you're going to have the glory of the Lord. If you're going to fulfill the reason God put you here. Then you're going to have to learn to talk to God. And listen to God. Pastor can't do it all for you. I tell you, he's going to ask you to do some things. You're going to say, who, me? What? Say what? Oh, but if you'll do it, your old bore and crusty Christianity will become an adventure. Listen to me. I want to say this to every person. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. God had a time for Noah. God had a time for Abraham. God had a time for Ezekiel. God had a time for Isaiah. He had a time for John the Baptist. He had a time for Peter, Paul, James, and John. But when he looked down to the last days, to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't choose Ezekiel. He didn't choose Noah. He chose you. You were born for such a time as this. You were made for more. You are God's plan A. I need all the musicians to come up here. All the musicians that will, that can come. Come on up here. Singers, two of you, if you don't mind. You can't afford, listen, you can't afford to miss a day. Listen, too much is happening. This world is changing rapidly. It, 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 listen, I'm going to tell you, it's a dangerous world. It is dangerous, even for me. I can get up in the morning and spend a time with the Lord and just be so sweet and kind and full of mercy and know who I am in Christ and just looking for a devil to bust. Somebody pull out in front of me. I was riding down the road with my mama one day and we were just talking about the glory of the Lord. It was so wonderful. We was headed to a Christmas party. <laughs> Car pulls out and nearly runs me off the rock. I said, you idiot! Holy Spirit said, oh really, he's an idiot? Created in my image and you just called him an idiot? He said, Frankie, Frankie, have you ever, have you ever made a mistake, pull out in front of somebody and then blow the horn at you? I said, oh, yes. Sir. He said, you know how you felt? I said, oh, I felt so ashamed. He said, you just heap shame on that man. He may have just got a call. His daughter's in jail. His boy had been in the accident. You just judged him. You don't even know him. You know, my, my mama can tell you I was weeping and crying, saying, God, take the shame off of me. I'm so sorry. That's why you need to pray every day, because one day you can get off course. Stand on your feet. If you'll stand, I'll hurry. Peter says this. He says, this is what he says. He says, most of all. Everybody say, most of all. 
Look at somebody and say most of all. Continue to show deep love. Show deep love. Say it out loud with me. Show deep love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. I don't know if you've heard the story about Rian Swigar. The founder of the satanic church in South Africa. Homosexual. Hated God. Hated Jesus. Started a... A, a, a satanic church and would pray and do rituals to be filled with demons. One day he goes to a radio program where they wanted to interview him. And for one hour, a little old lady sat across from him asking him questions. He lamb blasted Jesus, said Jesus was a fake. He was nothing. He was dead. He wasn't God at all. Talked about how Satan could give you the desires of your life. He, he said he used the words of Jesus talking about he can give you the kingdoms of this world. All that you've ever longed for, Satan will give you. He has more power than any other power on this earth. For one solid hour, at the end of that hour, that little old woman just walked over to him. Come up here, Pastor, for just a minute. This little old woman, just get up here. This little old woman, just a little old woman, just walked up to him and said, I'm just so glad to have personally met you. All she said. And he said something hit him. He started crying and he was embarrassed. He got out of there. This is his words. He said, I had never felt unconditional love like that in my life. She didn't say, she didn't thought him hit him with a Bible. She didn't say, you need Jesus. You're going to hell. She just said, I'm so glad. And she just wanted to touch him. He couldn't shake it. So he looked this woman up on social media through her radio program and found out she was a Christian. This made him mad. So he entered into days of a satanic ritual to be filled with enough power of Satan to prove this woman wrong. Wow. When suddenly, why he's crying out to Satan, the love of God hit him again. Glory! Glory! He said, I knew it was the love of God because it was the same thing I felt when that woman hugged me. Go back, Pastor. I'm going to need another minute. Go back just a minute. Look at somebody and say, it's overtime. It's overtime. We're in the most exciting moments right now. He shut, he resigned from his own church. Gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Unconditional love. While you blasting them. While you're calling them devils. While you look at them like an enemy. The worst, most vilest person in Washington, D.C. Jesus' blood was shed for their sin. Because God so loved the world. You can't carry the love of God and curse people. My God. I'm closing this second one. Verse, verse, verse 9. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. I, I think it, that's, that's what it meant then. It was a different. Not that it don't mean no open home. It means open your heart. I'm going to tell you why you don't have more. Because you hold on to what you have. God didn't create you to be a reservoir. He created you to be a river. He didn't create you to be a container. Well, I got to hoard up. I got family members and friends. You're going to have it's a wall to wall everything. Food for the tough days ahead. People are going to be starving. I ask them. I say, when people are starving, what are you going to do? Hoard your food. In fact, You've told so many people you're hoarding your food. When people get hungry, they know who to come to. You mean you, you're going to hold on to your food when Jesus says feed the poor? If you can't do it now, you won't be able to do it then. I'm telling you, God is calling us to be the body of Christ, not some religious social club. What do you do? He said... God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Are you serving? Not just on Sunday between 10 and 1. Are you serving? Are you serving? 
you've got a gift. It, the reason you're burnt out is you're not using your gift. When you lean into your gift, it's like an energizer bunny. You get the strength of God comes into your. When you lean into your gift, I was telling Pastor this the other day, and I am closing. Third closing, I'm closing. I accidentally, I didn't even know what a reel was 13 weeks ago. I was just making a three hour, I mean, three, a three minute and 15 second video. I mean, I was just having a great time. I went back to find it on my wall. It wasn't on my wall. And then all of a sudden it popped up as a reel. R-E-E-L. Does anybody know what a reel is? Y'all watch, that's what y'all watching all the time. Come on, let me see you have know it. Anytime I make a post, I may get 70, 80, 100 views. Well, I found that real already had a thousand views. And, and I, I don't know how they did it, but they took one minute of my three minute and 15 seconds. In a week's time, I had 30,000 views. I'm sitting by the cow. I said, babe, look at this. What is this real thing? And, and I showed it to her. And when, by the time I showed it to her, it had 40,000 views. 1,900 shares. I said, she said, well, let me listen to it. She listened to it. She said, well, babe, no wonder that's your gift. You need to lean into it. I said, okay, I'm going to lean into it. I've gained 5,000 new followers. Come on, everybody. And all of my reels, I put one on yesterday morning, sweating in a headband. I was just sweating in a headband. Already got 1,500 views on it all. Lean into your gift and serve. This is the last one. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. Jesus said in Acts 1 8. But you, you're talking about pronouns, personal pronouns. Jesus was using them 2,000 years ago. Read, read it out loud with me. But you, come on, no, you got, when you get to you, you got to shout you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon. No, no, he must have messed up there on the pastor. On your wife. On the deacons. On the overseers. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And just in case you ain't got it yet, and you. Not YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, whatever you call it. But you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Pinson, Alabama, throughout Jefferson County, and in Alabama, and even to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Get down here, Solid Rock Church. Get down here right now. Get down here right now. Get your hands in the air. Ask the Holy Spirit. Fall on me. Give me.